0: Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student. And let's face it, a non-student because we haven't talked about student topics in like a hundred episodes. But a terrible resource for downloading a treasure trove of K-pop dance gifts to post as Twitter responses to people.
1: That yeah, I don't have that. I don't have the treasure trove. I I don't have that. And I apologize. My K-pop
0: gift folder is lacking.
1: My PR company has told me to apologize for this, and <laughs> I'm—I will change my ways going forward. Same,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm committing to downloading more K-pop gifts. I'm not doing. We that.
1: will become K-pop stars for the next podcast.
0: Um, this is an empty
1: promise. But as soon as I'm, as, as soon as you've forgiven me, I'll just slide that slide that promise how, under the rug.
0: How good are you at dancing, singing, and/or? speaking the Korean language uh I used to sing well hey okay actually it's okay that's the because best I can that's the best I can say some k-pop songs are like half in English also so you can that one half time a k-pop when song. I was dressed
1: as the dude from the breakfast club I I pulled off that breakfast club dance that's true okay I I would say you're well I on don't your know leg. if that's a k-pop move necessarily the guy from the breakfast club but maybe it was. Maybe he was prescient. For my
0: part, I've been playing DDR for about uh, 15 years, and I do take vocal lessons. So...
1: I think we got it in us to at least put out something really embarrassing and terrible. That's the standard I'm going to hold this It would probably
0: be really terrible. All right, let's get into the episode. I don't have time for an hour of banter today. Oh, no. Chop, chop. I got to... Well, actually, I do have a lot of things to do. I have to write couple of videos um and this month is actually going to be a bit of a different month for the youtube channel because uh i'm gonna have tony kind of handle most of the production stuff because i have a documentary to edit oh cool so i need to give myself time to work on that yeah and i may actually ask you to help him out with editing and production and b-roll on i hate helping month. well if you can't be a team player then you can't be on the team i'm a lone wolf <laughs> batman works alone all right so we are getting very near the end of the college and Geek podcast um after episode 300 we will be changing the name of this show to reflect the fact that both of us are nearing 30 and basically we just don't want to have a podcast that has college in the name anymore because we don't want to talk about college every week but this week we do want to talk about college so we're kind of I guess maybe use this episode to sort of round out the college part of the college and boogie podcast. Yeah. Just honor the moniker
1: one last time. Maybe.
0: Yeah. We're going to be sharing some of the biggest lessons, overall life lessons that we took from our respective college experiences. Um, I don't know how many lessons you have, so I'm not going to say a specific number, but we're just going to share some lessons. I have a few written down here that I think would be good to share. Uh, and before we get into these lessons, just to let you know, the show's name is changing, but the feed is not changing. So if you are subscribed to this show in Spotify or YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, it doesn't matter because we're not changing the feed.
1: Yeah, you at least, might notice like cover art. the cover art will probably change and you'll see yes. that and you'll be like, what? Just know, it's still us. It'll yeah, be fine. Still us. It'll be okay. We should we should probably have our faces in
0: the cover art, just so it's not
1: that confusing. Probably it should probably look like it's from the same people. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll probably do that. It won't be too scary. We'll guide you through it. We'll hold your hand, and we'll get through this together.
0: It'll be like a guided meditation. Yeah. Now take in a deep breath, and then listen to us blather on for an hour. Yep. Do not exhale. You have to hold your breath the entire time. Okay. So yeah, uh, we. Both went to college, as the name of our show implies. Yep. we both went to the same college, but I don't think we learned the exact same lessons.
1: No, and one of mine is actually from community college, which you did not go to. So,
0: well, that was first college. Look at so that. Do you that want was, to start that out was with first that one?
1: college? Sure. Let's I, dig into um, it. Then. I went to community college after high school because I didn't I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I kind of just followed a friend there, to be honest. But I did well for myself, and it was cool. And the biggest lesson that I took from it, I majored in network and system administrations and desktop support and computery, sit in a server room and fix stuff, kind of a major. The biggest lesson, and all all three of my lessons are concepts that I learned in class, but that I apply uh, very strongly elsewhere. So the first lesson that I learned, uh, and it kind of changed how I do everything forever, is the importance of fault tolerance. I had never heard that phrase before. I had never concerned myself that much with uh, the importance of data. But since I learned the concept of fault tolerance, I have never lost an important piece of data. Not once. I have not lost anything that I need. Um, Like you say, when it comes to sort of having things around the house, two is one, one is none. That's a very similar thing. That's just fault tolerance for your physical goods. Mm -hmm. But it kind of taught me that I always need to be prepared for things to break, not just hard drives or computers, but if I'm not prepared for the reasonably likely things that could go wrong, then I'm not prepared at all. And I'm just gonna get hit in the face with a surprise And have everything fall apart and so many people came to me at my job there with that exact same problem because their stuff broke and they were like here are years of data that was on a flash drive please please dear god save my life and lucky for them i could save most of it but not all of it and there's nothing you can do about that other than prepare yourself
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i remember being in the college library once this is when i Worked at the campus IT center. So my job was also to support computers. Uh, I was not at work at the time, but I saw this girl's MacBook die and it just would not boot. And she asked me for help. I don't know what the problem with the computer was, but the first thing I asked her was, do you have a backup of your data? And she said, no. So every term paper, every assignment, every photo... (sighs) all of it gone, possibly. I mean, so I, I sent her down to the hardware repair center to see if they could fix it. But, uh, you know, in the case they couldn't, everything would have been gone. Um, you have to have fault tolerance. And I think, like, there's two kind of versions of fault tolerance because you said the two is one, one is none when it comes to things around the house. Yeah. For that, like, that is a philosophy that helps you to avoid a service interruption to use a really fancy business. Yeah, I,
1: I have a service interruption in Kleenex. Yeah, but that, that's like what it is. Like if, if
0: I have it's a, true. one bottle so of shampoo and I run out and I can't go to the store for three days, I just don't have shampoo for three days. Yeah. That's a service interruption. If I have two and the moment that one runs out, I put shampoo on my grocery list. There's no interruption because I have the backup. So I'm never buying what I need in the moment. I'm buying the backup. Yeah. So that's like one piece of fault tolerance. The other piece of fault tolerance is have a copy of your data, have an extra thing around just in case something breaks or goes wrong. Like, you know, you're going to run out of shampoo. So that's just like a scheduling thing. But you also know that things breaking is a likely occurrence like it's unlikely that one specific thing will break but it's likely that something will break at some point so whatever you need to do your work you should have a backup of it or some
1: way to replace it very quickly if it does break yeah like, like my I computer's have, seven years old it could break at any moment hard drive yeah fail i think right about now. that
0: sometimes i have um three computers all of which are powerful enough to edit video. So in the case that something catastrophically wrong happened with my editing desktop, it's not like I would not be able to make videos. I have edited plenty of videos on my laptop so I could do that. Uh, I have backup cameras, you know, if my C 500 breaks or something in the worst case scenario, I can film a video on my phone, but I also have old cameras. Like for me to, to do my job, I have several different tools that are required and I don't want to let them hinder me from doing my job if one breaks.
1: Yeah. And like, even if you can't have, like, I don't have a spare computer sitting around or anything, but I can tell you right now that other than this specific podcast episode, if I went and grabbed my hammer and just smashed the laptop, I would not be concerned about any data loss. I would just buy a new laptop, which would annoy me because I didn't feel like it right now, but I could do it. Immediately get all my real stuff back and be up and running in like a day.
0: Yeah. And no, it wouldn't be a problem. lot of the stuff you do, you could do from your phone. So your phone is almost a form of fault tolerance. Like you can message our team members on Slack with your phone to True, you know, manage them. It you would can, only stop
1: like web development,
0: really. And if you really, really had to, it wouldn't even stop that because there are ssh and ftp clients for the iphone i have used them before just like when i was in college i was very curious can i uh, yeah. edit my website from my phone and i was able to do it
1: you know i bet i could i could have a pretty decent setup on my ipad probably if i had to it would mm-hmm. annoy me it wouldn't be as good but yeah I but a bluetooth keyboard things. and ipad
0: I, I would say for you that constitutes fault tolerance yeah. without needing to own a my biggest loss year. would
1: probably be lightroom just because i don't like the mobile version
0: yeah, that's true. But it would still function. Mm-hmm. And for you, photography isn't a core part of your job. Yeah. So like it would, because it's a big hobby for you, it might be good to be fault tolerant in that regard. But it's not like your income will be threatened if your camera breaks or a flight room is inaccessible to you. Yeah. Whereas yeah. If, if I have no way to edit video or if I have no camera, then there's no money.
1: It it definitely not be good.
0: I guess I could make a pure voiceover video if I had no camera, but yeah. There there are certain things I need. Um, So let's give some practical tips for having a backup of data because fault tolerance is a great overall lesson. Um, Specifically for your data, like at the bare minimum, have something like Google Drive or Dropbox or uh, OneDrive or iCloud, those are the four most popular ones. And specifically with with like Google Drive is the one I use and Dropbox works the exact same way. They put a folder on your computer and uh, anything in that folder is synced to the cloud and then synced across any devices that you have. Um, It's important to know that if you have the mobile app, it's not actually downloading those files to your mobile device unless you mark them as offline. Your mobile device is just basically acting like a browser interface. Uh, but as as long as you put files in that folder, they are synced up to the web and they are fault tolerant in some circumstances. They are fault tolerant to your computer breaking for sure um, because they're on another server somewhere. So if everything that you have is in a Google Drive folder and your computer breaks and you buy a new one, you can easily download it all you're good. They are somewhat fault tolerant to accidental deletion or um encryption via malware i say somewhat because there is a trash in google drive so if something is deleted you can go into the trash in the web interface and you can restore it i think they stay in the trash for 30 days but verify this because these things change sometimes and then um google drive also has file version history yeah, I think Dropbox and has. I don't that think too. you have to pay for us. I think with Dropbox, you may have to pay for an upgraded
1: version. Let me let me check real quick. That is possible. I would not know because I already pay, so that I can have a. Lot I was of space. looking at
0: it recently because um, Dave at Standard wants us to build like a stock video library for everyone in Standard, and he's like, "Let's just put it in Dropbox." And my Dropbox is full. And I'm like, I don't want to pay for Dropbox and Drive. Uh, okay, so let's see here. Yeah. Dropbox plus is like 10 bucks a month professionals, 17 bucks a month. Let me see if there is a file history version history, uh viewer history. I don't know what that is, but it's only on professional. So that may be a thing where you have to upgrade your Dropbox plan, but I'm pretty sure drive like with my $10 a month plan, I get two terabytes and I get version history for sure. I've gone back and um, restored files. So if for whatever reason you're, computer got like encrypted with a ransomware thing which you know another good thing in fault tolerance is have malware bytes or something on your computer if you're running windows to protect against that and don't go to stupid websites but in case that happened there would be some fault tolerance there Um, but that that version history is limited to a certain number of versions and then the trash is limited to a certain amount of time so for me I, I am not comfortable with drive being my only form of backup Um, So I also have Backblaze, which is like five bucks a month and it just backs up my entire computer. So and I've gotten to the point where even Backblaze isn't enough because we have a server now and the five dollar a month Backblaze plan doesn't cover network drives and servers, which I totally get because you could hook up a basically unlimited amount of storage to your computer via network drives and be a loss for them. Um, so I have to figure out a good way to back up my server. I've done some things like there's a feature called snapshotting, which basically just takes like a picture of what the file structure looks like every, every, however, you know, however often you want it to. And then you could roll back to that snapshot or create a copy of your file structure based on that snapshot. So if somebody went to the server and accidentally deleted stuff, or if a virus got in there and encrypted stuff, you could roll back to a snapshot.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I'm checking now. It looks like Dropbox basic and plus you can recover file edits for 30 days, but mm. professional and business give you 180 days.
0: Oh, okay. So and for a, for a days. business,
1: I could definitely see why you might want six months of history, but for most people, 30 days is, is going to be fine. And I don't have backblaze, yeah. but I do have an actual external drive. I do a time machine backup, that which is too. just, which is just the Mac version of backing up your computer. It's a saying for anybody on windows but i just have a backup of all my files on a hard drive they're all on my computer locally i consider my computer hard drive another thing in case dropbox fails and then dropbox which i am quite certain that all of the companies doing that have their own super ridiculous raid fault tolerant systems because that's how they make their money yeah yeah, for sure.
0: And there, there's something in computer security called the three two one system, where you want to have three copies of your data, um, two of them accessible very easily, and then one of them offsite. Yeah, so in case my house burns down. That. Yeah, because so if your house burns down, you have your your Dropbox copy, um, but you also, if for whatever reason, Dropbox goes out of business tomorrow. You have your Time Machine. Now,
1: pickup. yeah, because I don't want to be like. I can't leave the house. I got to get my hard drive, or I'm ruined. Yeah. That's that's bad. Now, if Dropbox goes out of business at the same time as my house burns down, I will be sad, and that's that's what will happen. But I doubt it. Seems really yeah. unlikely.
0: There's something I forget the term. What is it called? There's a term for two unlikely things happening at the same time or very is it, near is each it other. Bad. I think it's it bad is it's a bad, yeah, the bad thing. Um, I, I was reading about this. I think it was about like Chernobyl and, or some, some like nuclear reactor emergency thing that happened. And it was like the result of, um, some like sign blocking something that people were supposed to maintain. So they didn't see it. And then some other bad thing happened and the combination of those two caused a huge, uh, a huge problem or, um, Tom Scott had a really good video recently. It was called the worst typo I ever made. And he was talking about how he was editing a MySQL database, which is basically just for people who aren't web developers, like a database full of information that uh, drives a website. And he made a change to the live database. So mistake number one, he didn't make a change to like a backed up development version. He was making a change to the one that was live on the website And then he made a typo that instead of changing, I think he wanted to like change the word content across the entire site to something else. But instead of doing that, he accidentally wrote his command to delete all the content on the website and replace every article, with just the word content. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And so he had a good point in the video He's like the typo was incredibly easy to make because it was literally just the result of me using apostrophes instead of backticks which has a very big consequence, but visually they look very similar, but that wasn't the real problem. The problem was that I was operating on the live version of the database, which I shouldn't have been. I didn't make a backup and it was the combination of these several stupid mistakes that yeah. made my stupid typo catastrophic instead of just like a minor inconvenience.
1: Always back up stuff like that before you make a big change. Yeah, e- exactly. every, every time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah. Um, friend of mine recently went to reinstall his operating system and there's a box that's like only delete and reinstall the windows files which he checked and for whatever reason microsoft's like we're just gonna wipe every hard drive connected to your computer as well connected to every hard yeah, drive all hard
1: drives not like just the wind- drives. not just the one hard drive that the operating system could be on yeah so yeah you shouldn't trust things even when they usually work that's basically yeah, the point here never trust things <laughs> Yeah, I, I think
0: like to be a good IT person, you have to be very paranoid and very
1: untrusting.
0: Yeah. Yep. And if you're if you're a highly trusting person, don't work with computers because they will betray you. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna get into my first big lesson. Uh, I'm gonna call this the Kmart lifer story. So one of the most impactful professors I had in college was my business communications professor who basically taught a speech class that was kind of tailored towards uh, business communication. So we had a basic speech class I had taken, which was required, and then this one was like the next level up. It was like giving uh, pitches if you were going to try to start a business and get investment, like that kind of stuff. And he was probably like I said, the most impactful professor I had because he gave everyone such great individual attention and you could just really tell that he cared. And one day he went up to the front of the class and told us why he was a professor. So apparently before he got his master's degree, he was working as a manager at the Kmart in Ames, which as far as I know is still open, which baffles me. There's so a Kmart may, and Ames? Maybe it's it's right next to the movie theater. If you remember where that is. On the other side of town. I mean, I like kind of remember the theater. Do you remember where the Barnes and Noble used to be? And then it became the BAM? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah, so there's the theater huh. and the Kmart, Kmart right must right next been, to it.
1: It was invisible to me the whole time, I guess. That doesn't surprise me.
0: So, yeah, my professor was a, a manager at Kmart. And he apparently was a great manager Because one day somebody from corporate came to inspect the store. They were really impressed and they had a chat with him where they said, you know, we're really impressed with the work you've been doing. Um, We'd actually like to have you come to the corporate headquarters and go through this higher manager training because I think you are lifer material. (laughs) I think you have the potential to be a lifelong Kmart employee. (laughs) and my professor said that hearing that he immediately quit his job at Kmart and signed up to get a master's degree
1: yeah i'm i'm going to be honest <laughs> you should really make sure that somebody wants to hear those words before you say them cuz lifelong <laughs> anything has the very big potential to be scary and a lifelong a job is one of the more scary things
0: yeah Well, you really a, need to make sure they're like
1: they need to be like dwight schrute level that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Then you can say they won't, they're they going to be a lifer. Then they'll like mm-hmm. it. But if they're not Dwight, you sh- probably shouldn't say that.
0: Well, I think our generation and the, possibly the generation before us, you know, they're pretty used to the idea that a career is going to span multiple jobs, possibly multiple different career areas yeah. and fields. Um, but older people, uh, they're a little more used to that model where you'd get a job at one place and often work there your entire life.
1: My great-grandfather worked at the cement plant his whole life. I want you to know that that story sounds like like a made-up story. It's just, my great-grandpappy worked at the cement plant. It just sounds exactly like a story that is a stereotype.
0: What do you think is more realistic? My great-grandpappy was a <laughs> web developer, and then he moved into communications. He got a job as a PR agent. That, that actually sounds, parlayed into like a museum curation position for a few months, and then he actually roadied for jayquan for a while actually. That's awesome. <laughs> it's the coolest grandpa I've ever heard of. <laughs> now, he worked at the cement plant his whole life. Um I remember they they used to give they used to give their employees like a full turkey for Thanksgiving. It was that kind of place. Uh instead like of like movies. money for a bonus. They probably should've just given him money. But I don't know, that's just how he did things. So he quits the job And he's like, you know, he said that word, like you have the potential to be a lifer and my life flashed before my eyes. And it just sort of forced me to ask myself, what do I really want to do with my life? Because up until that point, I've been, you know, kicking ass, I've been working really hard, but I'd been kind of pushing off that question. I'm doing my job. I'm going to it. It's fine. And it was that kind of like catalytic moment that made him really face that question and realize this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So that kind of taught me the lesson that, you know, I need to be constantly asking myself, is this what I want to do with my life? Because it's very easy to tell yourself I'm doing fine. I'm working hard and to push off the questions of, you know, am I actually going down the path I want to be going down?
1: Yeah. You don't want to wait for a big moment like that because Mm -hmm. by the time that big moment comes, you you've spent a lot of time not asking the question.
0: Yeah. But also another lesson I took from this is to not fall victim to the sunk cost fallacy. Because you know, he put a lot of time and effort into working there and he built up a lot of career capital like he could have had a very very uh successful probably well I, I don't want to say financially successful cuz I don't think Kmart's really around anymore. Maybe he could have parlayed that into a Target lifer, who knows. But he's like, this is not what I want to do. So I'm going to give this up, even though I put a lot of effort into it because it's it's not the path I want to go down. And that's what you really have to ask yourself when you're faced with like a sunk cost fallacy situation. And for people who haven't heard this term, the sunk cost fallacy is basically justifying continuing down a certain path because of how much effort you've already put into it. You know, so like I say, a, a housing construction company starts to build a house and they invest a hundred thousand dollars into it. And they realize, Oh crap, the foundation of this house is terrible. We accidentally built it on a swamp with a sinkhole, but uh, we've already put so much money into it. We're just going to keep, keep building onto it. Like that would be the sunk cost fallacy instead of, uh, we should cut our losses cause we've built a house on a terrible foundation and go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. It's funny you say that cause the sunk cost fallacy is actually one of my lessons. Oh, but, is it? Yeah. It's one of the biggest things I learned uh, from the college o business As as I think they called it.
0: Well, we'll have to go. We'll have to go right into to that lesson for you uh, from this one,
1: because
0: yeah, we didn't we didn't clue on this. We actually when we do episodes like this, we we come up with our lessons independently, and sometimes there's overlap. But that just means they're doubly important.
1: That's a that's a cool thing.
0: Yeah, that is true. That that is cool. Yeah, that had a big impact on me. Just asking myself uh, at regular intervals. Is what I'm doing what I want to be doing? And am I willing to give up effort I've put in, money I've put in, time I've put in to change? And usually the answer is yeah, because where where this is taking me is not where I want to go.
1: Yeah. Let's get your thoughts on on sunk cost. So the sunk cost fallacy has been... I just really like... When I hear like a concept that sort of changes how I look at life, uh, sort of a philosophical thing like that. It's, it's big, it's widely applicable, but. I really like the idea and the reminder that if you, if you come up to a situation and you're not happy with it, and there's a metaphorical fork in your road of, I don't know how many tines are in your fork. could be a trident, I don't know, but the point is. From whatever point you find yourself in life, you should be considering which of these paths going forward do I like the best, not which of these paths retroactively justifies the path I took last time. Mm. And that's that's a really big thing for me because it's super hard for me to quit stuff. I love so many things that I do. I love languages. It was so hard for me to decide to stop taking Mandarin and German because I wanted to focus on graduating a semester early and it was really hard for me to quit my first job out of college because I essentially changed careers immediately. I immediately got nerve damaged out of my first career is what happened. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for me to quit writing for Pauliglot, my language blog. And it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to keep doing it. It was always like, but this is who I've been. What am I if, if I get rid of the thing I've put so much into, this is where my life has been going. What what do I do now? Well, the answer is choose whatever you want. That time's already gone. So I did quit all of those things and I don't regret it now. I don't have yeah. a problem with it, but it was it's very hard to do because I get, I get everything wrapped up in my identity mm-hmm. and it becomes hard to quit anything. I mean, my last name is German. It hurt me to quit German. Yeah. And I was, I was getting really good at Mandarin tone pronunciation and I didn't want to quit something that I was doing well at, but it was just a sunk cost. Sure. I could be good at that and I put time into it, but moving forward, it's not more important than the alternatives. And that's the only question that I should be asking myself.
0: Yeah. And I think it's worth realizing that at some point later in life, you could come back to something like Mandarin or German. And yeah. it's going to feel at first like you're starting from scratch, but in reality, it's an introductory process to kind of unearthing things you've already learned in the distant past. Like and it probably it's quicker than easier. you think. Yeah. I, I mean, I stopped playing guitar for five years after all my guitar gear got stolen. I just never bothered to go get a new guitar. And, uh, when I moved to Denver, I got a new guitar and it felt like I was starting over again for a while, but eventually it came back fairly quickly actually. And, uh, before I knew it, I was like, Hey, I know how to play if not just as good, if not better than I was before I quit. Yeah. That was a long time. So I actually had another lesson written here, but as I look at it now, it's very similar. To really? this concept, so I think it's actually kind of like a, a, another bullet point here. Um, I gave up on the student honors program in my senior year. In addition, I gave up on the idea that I wanted to graduate with all A's, perfect oh, yeah, yeah. grades. So uh, both of these, especially honors, were born out of the realization that what I would gain from achieving uh, graduating with honors getting perfect grades was not worth what i was giving up by dedicating my time to the requirements for both of those goals because i mean if you really think about it what did i want to do after college well i'd done my internship i realized i don't care about uh computer networking i thought it would be cool turns out I'm not wired to maintain things. Um, I like creative work. I like writing. I like podcasting. I like making videos, things like that. I hadn't made videos at the time, but I liked blogging and podcasting. And uh, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to work for myself. And perfect grades were going to do nothing for me going towards that goal. Because what's a transcript full of A's going to do for somebody who wants to start their own business? Yeah, Some of our most successful entrepreneurs are people who dropped out of school. And that the lesson there is not that you need to drop out of school to start a company or that dropouts have some special innate talent to start businesses, but the lesson there is that perfect scores in a pre-prescribed curriculum that is intended to ready you for a job in a certain field don't really help you out when you're building your own company, especially if the major you're in doesn't have all that much to do with the company you're building. So that didn't make sense. And then with the honors program uh, during my senior year, you had to take a few classes on top of your normal classes. And then you also had to do some really big project. And the reward you would get for doing all this work would be to graduate with a golden cord around your shoulders on top of your robes, and you would be able to write on your resume honors graduate. And I guess maybe you would have access to some sort of honors alumni network. I don't know. I can tell you right now, I have never once taken advantage of the alumni network I have access to just because I went to that college. I could, but you know, I've met a lot of people just doing what I want to do. Um, And again, like being somebody who wants to run their own company, who wants to build a blog, build a podcast, build a YouTube channel, graduating with a cord around my neck doesn't push me any further towards those goals. So it was a hit to my pride to let those things go, but that's all I really lost: pride and a little bit of that sunk cost, you know, shot of pain. Like oh, I put, I already put three years of time into the honors program. I did three years worth of all the requirements i don't want to give up now but really i did want to give up now because i wanted to use that time to build my business
1: yeah like when your goals change that's one of the biggest times the sunk cost fallacy might trick you Mm -hmm. just because it's like but i almost became the person i wanted to be but if it's not the person you currently want to be it doesn't really matter yeah
0: yeah i mean we could look at this from another angle you know like There's another question here. What if the business fails and you have to fall back on your degree to get a job? Wouldn't it be easier to get a job if you had honors grad on your resume? Wouldn't it be easier to get a job if you had a perfect 4.0 GPA? And I don't know. That's a question that's hard to answer definitively because everyone goes into different fields. And you know, say you're trying to get into med school, maybe they are going to put a little bit more importance on grades. But the kind of jobs that I would fall back on I believe that I would have a better chance of cutting through the noise and standing out. If I was able to tell the story of how I worked to start my own business, I think that would actually make a bigger impact than being like, I'm an honors grad. Do you know that?
1: Yeah. And depending Mm -hmm. on what age you are, like the whole honors grad thing is eventually not going to count all that much. It's going to be like, okay, sure. You were an honors grad, but uh, you're 40, Jim. What what have you done since then? What what have you done in the last like 28 years of your life? I'm an honors grad. That that doesn't not even that means, that means nothing to me.
0: Not even 40. Let's put it at right now. I'm 29 right now. And if I went out looking for a job, I do not think that people would care one iota about me being an honors grad or not.
1: Yeah. At some point, point out your of fault college tolerance for is just
0: seven years they would probably be out well seven years is longer than four years what have you done with those seven years we are more interested in that
1: yeah you don't want to rest on your laurels mm-hmm. they're not comfy
0: that's a lesson i've taken since graduating from college uh you know the the, the amount of time since the end of college it gets away from you yeah you wake we've been up out of be college like, oh, longer man. than we were in there not and not that's quite transformative I think it's seven years. So it's not, oh wait longer. I thought you said double longer. Uh, oh, not long, twice as much. Yeah, we're we're getting close to twice as long out of college as we were ever in it. Well, at least I am because I was only there for four years. I think you were there. Were, were you there for four and a half? I I was five? at
1: university for three and a half, but I was at community college for two years. That's but I got okay, so. I got two degrees out of it, so I kind of messed up the years.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it, it does get away from you. And I guess I'll segue that into my final lesson here, which is uh, something I learned quite quickly after I left college, which is that college and honestly high school, both of these have a lot of similarities to the real world, whatever version of the real world you live in. There are differences for sure. But I remember being in high school and imagining that college was going to be so wildly different that the workload was going to be so wildly uh, different and bigger and much harder. And then I remember being in college, thinking the real world was going to be so wildly different. And then I did my internship, and I was like, well, this is there are some differences, but this isn't that much of a radical departure from what I do every day in college. All of my systems that I use to stay on top of my tasks in college, they pretty much work. Exactly as they did there, here. Yeah, a to-do list still works. I was using Todoist in college, or not Todoist. I was using uh, Wonderlist in college. I was using Wonderlist in my internship.
1: Sweet Prince. Mm Hmm.
0: You know, email. Yep. You use that in college. You use that in your internship and in your job. A lot of the same exact habits, checking your calendar every day, making sure you get your events on the calendar right when they are communicated to you so you don't forget them, so you don't let them slip through the cracks. A lot of it applies. I found that the biggest difference was uh, the day wasn't broken up for me, which was something I really appreciated in college. Like, yeah, I've got four or five classes. They're in different rooms across campus. I'm here for an hour and then I walk across campus and now I'm here and then I got to walk to the dining hall to have lunch with my friends and then I got to go all the way across campus again. I remember in college I was kind of annoyed by it sometimes, but then I did my internship and it's like, oh, well, if I choose, I could just sit here in this cubicle all day long. Because this
1: is the only place I have to be. This is where all my work is. I kind of don't like that. <laughs> honestly, I mean, this isn't one of my lessons, but I really feel like that is a huge thing from college that should be taken. Going mm. to, to multiple locations in a day makes that day feel like I was alive. Yeah. And staying in one makes the day forgettable, compressed into the rest of my memories like a, an efficiently made zip file. Mm-hmm. It, it's not interesting anymore. And honestly, once I feel I can actually go to places again, I might try to do some sort of on purpose. Okay. Every 90 minutes or so I need to like take a walking break and switch locations for a bit. Yeah. So, so that I don't let, you know, I look back someday 20, 30 years from now and I'm like, what did I do in my late twenties? And then I only remember sitting at this desk. That's not, that's not great. Got to mix it Mm up.
0: Yeah. I don't know if this is a college lesson, but I have been thinking, um, you know, I had I had a certain number of goals when I was in college or uh, an early grad, and I've achieved a lot of them. But I noticed that if I don't purposely uh, vary up my day, if I don't purposely take breaks or schedule trips or whatever it is, what I do with my average day is kind of exactly the same as it was back then. And it's funny, like you have all these goals and you kind of envision this picture of what your future day is going to look like, what your future self is going to you know, be doing all the time because you've achieved all these things you set out for yourself. It's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm working really hard right now, but and I'm putting off getting into, you know, singing lessons like I want to do or, or going to this country I want to visit or whatever it is. And to a certain degree, that is useful. It is useful to delay certain types of gratification when you have strong goals that need a lot of time investment. But, you know, years down the road, if you find yourself doing the same exact thing, you have to ask yourself, like, if, if I don't make a conscious change, will this ever be different? Or yeah. will there always be some goalpost that I have moved out in front of me so that I'm always pushing in the exact kind of way? You know, that's, this is kind of a lesson you learn out of college because college gives you structure. It gives you regimentation. And most importantly, I think it gives you a fresh start
1: every new semester. Yeah.
0: It forces you to make a big change.
1: Yeah. Hence the, my notebook system, hence everything. The biggest struggle of adulthood for me is that feeling that monotony is default, mm-hmm. but it's not inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. So you
0: have to, you have to make a conscious choice. To not allow that monotony to creep in, and keep learning. You know, actually, yeah. that that is one of the reasons why college feels very similar to this real world life I now live in is because I still take on learning projects. And I know you do too. Like you've got yeah. lessons scheduled with uh, language teachers. It's
1: I've got. So I've got also. I probably college. got too much stuff going on, honestly. But it is <laughs> like college. I mean, in college you take five, six classes. I mm-hmm. had twenty one credit hours one semester. Yeah. This is just what I do. I overwhelm myself with a bunch of things. <laughs> some know, of them go better than others, but at least some of them went well at all. Dealing
0: with overwhelm is a topic for another episode, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Like I'm taking a guitar I course don't right now. It. I've got vocal lessons and then I read books too. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like mini college all the time. Oh, but the other thing is like college also creates for you opportunities to interact with other people
1: which you don't always get that one's got to be the the world. I got to figure out how to force that one once yeah. it feels more reasonable to go outside again. Cause I, I went to like a French meetup, no one was there one time and then I never tried again. Mm-hmm. And, and like that's a, that's a bad pattern to get into. Yeah. So
0: I guess the final big lesson is ask yourself, what are the elements that college sort of, sort of brought to you that you have lost since you have left college if you're a listener who is mm. not in college anymore or i mean i would say you know even if you are a listener who's in college you're probably not on campus right now because we're all at home
1: true what true. are the what elements do you miss that about that the
0: physical element the physical you know being in college physically brought to you how can you continually recreate those because it takes effort once you're gone yeah that's one of the most valuable things that I got from college was just easy proximity to so many different people, to so many different clubs and organizations and events. It was sort of like college didn't even meet you halfway. They met you like 75% of the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it was being around so many people felt so good. I was excited when I walked out of the library and I could hear like, Six languages in four minutes. And I was like, there are so many people here. Mm -hmm. There are possibilities in every direction. You got to kind of force that to happen because if you're in your house, there really aren't possibilities in every direction except for outside. Yeah. You got to, you got to go.
0: But even, even setting aside the current pandemic, you know, when you get into the adult routine of go to work, come home, it becomes very easy for those opportunities to never present themselves. Yeah. So you have to go find them. Uh, did you have
1: any other lessons i had one last one okay not too complicated but again it has changed how i look at everything and it's it, the concept of overhead just not only in a business sense but overhead being the amount of for a business usually the amount of money that you spend on things that are not directly related to the business model so a brick and mortar store you pay. you got to pay rent you got to pay electricity you got to pay for water, probably, because that's useful. Things like that that aren't directly what you're trying to do. Now, in a business sense, that's important to keep track of. Uh, part of the reason web businesses can succeed so well, in including what we're doing, is because we are not currently paying for a giant office with its own electricity and with its own stuff. We can sort of do whatever we want. Yeah. But for me, I've taken overhead into account for a lot of what I do in a personal sense. And also- This was before I knew that, but it lines up really well with what the 22nd rule accomplishes. Because the idea is that you're removing the effort you put toward any given thing that isn't for the thing. The time it takes me to set up my piano and get it running is very little because it's right there in the living room. So my Mm -hmm. overhead is low. Almost no effort is put into that. But the effort it might take me to go make food, there's a lot of overhead in there. Because the kitchen is a mess right now. So I'm going to have to move a bunch of extra stuff out of the way. And that's effort that isn't going toward the end goal. It's, it's like side quests that you have to take on before you can do the important part. Mm-hmm. Maybe overhead is a side quest.
0: Yeah. And if you can batch those side quests, then there's more time for the main quest.
1: Yeah, it's just it made me more consciously consider what percentages of my time are going toward what? Which mm. ones are going toward the things I'm proud of and which ones are going toward the the upkeep or the weird chores that stand in the way of what I want to be doing that I'm proud of?
0: Yeah. I was thinking about the concept of minimalism the other day and you know I'm very much not a minimalist. <sighs> oh. I mean, even but, just uh, hearing
1: that word made me feel good. <laughs>
0: There are a lot of arguments for minimalism that people have, but I think one of the most powerful is the fact that everything you buy or introduce into your life has some kind of maintenance routine that it requires. Um, Could be as simple as I have to dust this new piano I bought every so often. If I bought an acoustic piano, I have to have it tuned every so often. And uh, the more things you introduce into your life, the more maintenance routines you also introduce into your life if you want those things to be in working order when you want to use them. So that's, I think, one of the most powerful uh, arguments for introducing a little bit of minimalism into your life. For me, the, the whole allure of like a stark, white, clean, unbroken line of sight, you know, white walls, all that kind of stuff, that doesn't... I don't care about that. Um, I don't feel stress at owning a lot of things. That doesn't resonate with me. But not having to dedicate a bunch of my time to upkeep on things.
1: Yeah. That is so a lot of minimalism concept. is reducing mm-hmm. overhead. It's like how much what percentage of your life do you want to be spending just upkeeping your possessions? If you have a yeah. lot of them, the answer is going to become a lot, unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, And I mean th- there's there's ways around it. Like if you don't want to clean your house, you can pay someone to clean your house. You can pay someone to mow your lawn for you. True. And you can still have a lot. Well, life. then you have
1: a literal cost of overhead.
0: Yeah, then that that it just becomes now a, it's, now it's a a money amount. cost. Well, I'm just a minimalist about my money. So,
1: oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> you don't want to have too much. you know,
0: you, you, don't ha- you don't
1: want to you don't want to have too much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the more money you have, the more you have to keep it safe. So, in there is some truth to that. Once you become That's rich true. enough, if you become like a billionaire and you don't pay for security, that seems like some necessary overhead you should be paying for. They do say more money, more problems. That's It's true. Once you get to a certain point, I'm going to say more money is less problems up to a certain point. Yeah. But, you it's know, a- in hip hop, sometimes you got to rhyme and you can't go into a lot of nuanced detail without kind of detracting from the meaning of the song. Well, it's like a And Biggie curve. wasn't trying to confuse me. I know that. It's a bell
0: curve and what they're rapping about is like the far right side of the curve. Yeah. Because like, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's like, well, yeah, more money is great. But then after that, is it? I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Get it forever.
0: <laughs> Infinite money. Probably. Give me all though. of it. All right. Well, I think that's going to probably wrap the show up since that was, that was your final lesson, right? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube or you happen to frequent our YouTube version of the podcast, I'm curious if you're done with college or you're still in college, but you have some significant life lessons that you have learned, maybe share them in the comments for this episode over on our YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed to our show yet, you can do so on YouTube or you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Man, podcasting is such a decentralized thing which Very much has so. its benefits but it's also a little bit confusing because you have to mention like eight different podcast platforms when you're doing your subscribe thing yeah i don't know i think spotify is like it's becoming one of the easiest ones the that only reason i don't sense. like it is because uh the show notes don't come in like in full detail there Uh, And I don't think it even supports links to opening up like the full show notes page. So it's kind of annoying.
1: But good thing we have a short link, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a short link. That's going to be cigpodcast.com slash 297. So if you are on Spotify and they are not letting you click a link to our show notes, you can just easily type that into your browser and uh, click anything that we happen to mention. I'm not sure if we happen to mention anything in particular. Oh, we mentioned some uh, backup tools, Backblaze. Dropbox, Google Drive. So, yeah, if you take nothing else away from this episode, which was full of philosophy, make sure your stuff is backed up. Please, don't yeah, let don't a don't, dumb don't be series sad. of mistakes or computers betraying you make you lose something that uh, that you don't want to lose. Uh that is gonna be it. You can always always go over to college at Boogeek.com to check out any the latest articles we're creating. YouTube.com slash Thomas Frank is where my new videos are. Um oh, and if you want to subscribe to the show, podcast.com with no trailing slash numbers, is where you can go to get links to all the main podcast platforms if you just want like a centralized place for it. If you want to support this show, a review on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts actually is what it's called now. Man, I'm old school calling iTunes is helpful as always or you can share this with a friend and let them know what your favorite episode is to get them started beyond that thanks as always simply for hanging out and listening to the show and we will see you in the next episode thank you